It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk, another market down Monday. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com along with Doug Lamreese and Stephen Means. And Doug, I think this is one of your favorite market down Mondays every year. Oh my gosh, I love it. I love it so much. I love sports math. I've always loved sports math. And I think I've told this story before, like I went to college with uh, Daryl Morey, who's the general manager, of the Philadelphia 76ers and a leader in the analytics revolution. And we had an actual face book back then, a book of faces. And I remember you could send in, you send in like your senior picture and then you send in like four hobbies. And they just listed like your name, your hometown and like your hobbies. And two of his hobbies were basketball and math. And it's like, oh, well, that worked out well for you. And I tried to be funny and I put one of my hobbies is sleeping. And here I am. So I, I did, I'm not a general manager. I don't know anything. I really don't, I'm not good at analytics, but I like doing simple division in the name of sports. And I will say, I did one thing today and got a number and I said, holy S. And my wife was like, what's wrong? And I was just like, this number excited me so much. I had to shout it and exclaim. And, and, and the other thing is this. I want to give people the opportunity, Nathan, because you came up with all these categories. You sent it out to the texters. I want to give people the opportunity to turn off this podcast, Buckeye Talk, because I wanted to give people the opportunity to stop and do their own math and come up with their own things before we start talking about it. And then you can get your numbers and, and really dive in. If, if you think any of that is fun at all, maybe you can read all the things we're going to do, Nathan, and then people can put this on pause if they really want to do 45 minutes with a calculator on their phone and try to figure out what they think about these number predictions. So, yeah. So what we are marking down is Ohio State statistical leaders and over-unders and a lot of things along that realm for 2022. It's going to be offense and defense. We're going to kind of take a rapid fire approach to this. We're going to cram in a lot of things. Uh, Buckeye talk. Steven, uh, kind of what I was getting at too with Doug, uh, beyond just liking sports math, which we all, I think, have some affinity for. This is always an episode where we really get to define our expectations for the season ahead. It's like, do you think this guy is going to be productive or do you think this guy is going to be like 
crazy productive. You think this guy is going to be like, have one for the ages. Do you think this position group is actually going to step up and do its job? Or do you, are you skeptical of that? And you're not predicting as much in those. Like, I feel like these numbers are not just us trying to pen down a number for bragging rights for ourselves nine months from now, assuming I remember a year from now that I remember to, uh, to keep track of them. I think it's also helps us put some guide rails on what we're expecting from the season. It's a much better conversation than you just going, Hey, Steven, how good do you think CJ Stroud's going to be really good? Hey, Steven, how, th- how good do you think the linebacker is going to be? Okay. It's some numbers behind it to actually, you know, make this interesting and fun while also, yes, being able to say, I told you so six months from now. Did you both base the numbers you came up with for this on 15 games? We haven't predicted yet whether we think Ohio State makes the playoff or wins a national championship. I guess I think we already did both pick them as the Big Ten champion, all of us. So we're thinking at least 14 games. Do we think, did you guys go all the way to 15? Did that affect how you were coming up with these numbers? Because it, when you're talking about some of the really, really out there numbers, if you're thinking somebody's going to try to break a record, that 15th game is sometimes crucial. I split the difference. There was one in particular where I basically got the number for 14 games and got the number for 15 games and then middled it. But Mm. mostly I did go by 15 games, assuming they make the national championship game. I did the first thing you said. I got the 14, I got the 15, and I split it. Yeah. I so. didn't really do that, but it's but I did something along those lines. I mean, again, listen, we're we're it, it, there's so many unknowns that affect some of these things, and we're obviously not. It, it's it, there's a precision that is impossible to achieve. But again, I think it's more about like the ballpark that we're getting on all of these guys um, that that's going to tell us a, a little bit of a story here before the season even gets started. Has what you've seen in camp? These first, we've had, you know, seven practices. Ohio State's had seven practices now. Um, and we've seen an entire practice and a couple of other windows. And we've had interviews with about a third of the team so Let's far. Let's get to the math. I can't do I'm this anymore. Asking. Let's get to the math. <laughs> I'm just asking if what you saw in no, camp so far has affected those predictions. Not offensively. Not at all. Because first of all, one of the categories we're going to do, well, that guy sucked. We got to see him in the entire practice. And I know that's not going to be the case in a real game maybe more what i heard from some of the defensive stuff but no i just i already have expectations and so i was just gonna let that fly with the fly with the wind there most of the i think as we talked about when we did the friday pod about what we saw in practice mostly what we saw in practice confirmed what we already thought so Mm -hmm. it didn't really change my mind on anything i don't know that i would have come up with any different numbers without having watched these couple practices well, let's start off with that guy you're talking about. But wait, but wait, but wait, but wait, but wait, but wait, but wait. Well, you just said you wanted to get to marking it down. <laughs> and I also six minutes ago said, hey, can we pause and have you read all the categories so people can stop and do their own numbers? And then you never read the categories. I'm just I want you to read all the things that you came up with now so people know what's coming so they can pause it if they want to. Fair enough. But I will say I would be surprised if these are the only things that we mark down. This seems like a pod an an exercise that is rife with the spontaneous markdown. If we so, do too many spontaneous markdowns, we're going to be here for six hours though. I was worried. Well, let's try to go fast then. I'm just, I have a feeling there'll be some. Um, all right. So these are the things we're marking down. CJ Stroud, passing yards, Trevion Henderson, rushing yards, Jackson Smith and Jigba receiving yards, Marvin Harrison, junior touchdowns, which was in part inspired by, 
Stephen's own uh, declaration on the dragon. Who produces more between Mayan Williams and Evan Pryor? We're talking about offensive production, receiving yards, rushing yards combined from Mayan Williams and Evan Pryor. Who produces more? Same thing. Julian Fleming, Emeka Ibuka, offense only, no kick return stuff. Cade Stover receptions. Emeka Ibuka touchdown returns over under 0.5. On defense, the tackles leader, who and how many? The sacks leader, who and how many? The top two players, the top two defensive ends in snaps and the top two defensive tackles in snaps, which is sort of a novelty in some ways, but I think it also does maybe tell us who we think emerges and, and like takes charge in that group. Whether the OSU interceptions leader goes over or under 3.5, and I'll explain why I picked that number later. And the OSU defense going over or under 5.0 yards per play in 2022 which is a very interesting way in looking at this defense and i think is almost its own podcast so depending how long we go if you're getting if you're writing all this stuff down prepare that but i could see us chopping that off and saving it if we're at like the six hour mark because i think that is a that 5.0 number is really interesting Mm -hmm. and it really allows you to firm up what you think this defense is going to be like it's, I picked it for a specific reason that, we, again, we can get to it if we get to it, but we already have a lot to talk about. Like I said, I think we're going to branch off into some other discussions as we go along. Anything else you guys want to add to that roster before we start marking it down? Oh, no. I did like I, I did hours of math on this, so I'm not pulling okay. anything out of my butt mm-hmm. right now. Okay. This is, yeah. No, no, no. I just didn't know if there were any other categories oh, you thought no, I, I had overlooked. I'm, no, I, no, no, like Tommy Eichenberg, am human. I rarely make mistakes. No, no, no. But I we're do good. occasionally make a mistake. You came okay. up with like 12 great categories. We're good. Now. Okay. Yeah, you were good. Here we go. So here we go. And we're going to start with just the primary offensive ones. We're going to get the big guns off the table right away. C.J. Stroud passing yards. In 2021, he had 4,435 in 12 games. I guess we need to rein in a little bit exactly how much math we're going to throw at people because we're going to have to do a lot of it. But that's 369.5 per game. The Ohio State record, and that was in 12 games. The Ohio State record, Dwayne Haskins, 4,831. There has never been a 5,000-yard passer in Big Ten history. So who wants to mark it down, C.J. Stroud's passing yards for 2022 and how they got there? I will be doing that. And the reason I came up with that math is some of the math you just said. I basically just said he's going to have the same production just play more football games. So I, I, I upped it, though. I went to 370 yards just because he's better this year and because I didn't want to do decimals. And what I ended up with is over 14 games, that's 5,180 yards, and over 15 games, it's 5,550 yards. And so, as I said, I took the difference in between the two and came up with 5,365 passing yards, which would obviously break the break 10 record, but it would also be ninth in college football history. He'd pass Ty Detmer. He'd be behind Bailey Zappi at Western Kentucky. Last BJ year, S- which was last year. Yeah, which was last year. BJ uh, Simmons at Texas Tech in 2003. You don't have to read all the names. Okay, cool. Okay. He's behind. Yeah, Zappi is like the, the top guy there, and that's the most recent guy to join that list. So, yeah, he'd be so- ninth all time. I want to make sure people have the exact context of 5,000 yards. Like I said, no 5,000-yard passing seasons in Big Ten history. There have been 18 total 
but five have come from Texas Tech and four from Houston. So half of them are from these two air raid schools and then two by Hawaii, two by Western Kentucky. So 13 of the 18 have come from the same four schools. I just want to throw that out there. Um, And, Mm -hmm. and I actually, and when you take out Texas tech, you really reduce the number of even power five, 5,000 yard passing seasons. There have been obviously Joe Burrow. um, There've been a couple others, but um, they're rare, exceedingly rare. So Steven, you're going, what was your number? 5,365 passing yards. If you, if you, so one number I looked at was if you prorate, if you take out the Rose Bowl, if you think that like, well, that was like a weird thing. They had no cornerbacks other than Clark Phillips. Take out the Rose Bowl. If you prorate his average last year over 15 games, it's 5,266. And so it's still a big number. And even if you think, if you take 5% off of that, if you think, well, like the running game will be better or the defense will be better and they won't have to throw as much, like, it's still over 5,000 yards. Like 95% of that would still be 5,002 yards. So it's just based on past performance. Going over 5,000 would be the first in Big Ten history is a reasonable expectation, especially if you're thinking 15 games. So Doug, a, what are you – go ahead, Stephen. I was just going to say, I mean, he had four 400-yard games and another one against Michigan where he was six yards from it. So that's kind of what this offense is with him. So that is what the offense was last year with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson as well, mm-hmm. and that defense. So, Doug, what are you marking down? Strap in for math. <laughs> I, looked at the, I, racked, I looked at the Ryan Day offenses since Ryan Day here, was here, two as offensive coordinator and now the, th- and the three as head coach. Their average plays per game, 2017 it was 73, 2018 it was 81. 2019, it was 76. 2020, it was 71. 2021, it was 71. So this isn't math, but those are all the numbers. It's a high of 81 in 2018, right? When the defense was awful and they were chucking little quick passes all over the place. And it was 71 each of the last two years. So I had to decide how many offensive plays per game do I think they'll have this year? And I said 75, which is pretty much in between 71 and 81. That's, That's four more. Per, per game compared to last year, but I, I don't think that's unreasonable. So then if it's 15 games, it's 75 plays per game. I then, I, I then had to also say how many will be pass plays and how many will be run plays. And again, this is the, the, the result, not the, not the call, right? Which we would like to track the called play this year. So if it's a drop back pass and the quarterback scrambles, that's a called pass, but it, it goes down as a run, that kind of thing. Right? So 2017, they averaged 31 pass plays per game, 42 runs. Wow, 11 more rushes. 2018, 40 passes, 41 runs. So even in the Dwayne Haskins crazy year, they ran the ball more. 2019, 29 passes, 47 rushes per game. That's with Justin Fields. But that's Justin running a little bit, and then J.K. Dobbins running for 2,000 yards. That's, That's crazy. 2020, 28 passes, 43 rushes. Again, very heavy lean on the running game. 15 more run game rushing plays per game. Last year, 38 passes, 33 rushes per game. Right? So for the first time in the Ryan Day era, they threw it more than they ran it. And I still think they'll throw it more than they run it. Even though Travion's older and even though they want to run it more, Last year was 38-33. I said of the 75 plays, it'll be 39 pass plays and 36 rushing plays per game. So I got 39 pass plays. 
So I did 39 times 15, right? That's the number of pass plays I think they're going to be. That's 585. I then said some of those are going to go to backups. So I gave three of those on average to the backup quarterbacks. So that leaves 36 passing attempts per game for CJ. That's 540 passing attempts. Then I looked at yards per attempt. Last year, he was at 10.1. In the last five years, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, there have been eight power five quarterbacks who have thrown for more than 11 yards per attempt. Baker Mayfield did it twice. Kyler Murray, Tuatonga Bailoa, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, right? That's the kind of guys we're talking about. Do I think CJ can jump from 10.1 yards per attempt to 11? 11 is a slightly ambitious. I don't think it's impossible. Mac Jones and Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield could do it. Why couldn't CJ Stroud? But I backed off a little bit. I backed off a little bit. I said he'd average 10.8 yards per attempt. So 10.8 yards per attempt times 540 attempts in a 15-game season is 5,832 yards. And I thought, wow, that is a lot of passing yards. So I backed off a little bit. If it's in a 14-game season, it's 5-4-6-5. So I just kind of, I, I just hedged. My numbers got me over 5,800 passing yards for C.J. Stroud. I'm slightly backing off of that. My final number is in between the 14-game and the 15-game, 5,643 passing yards for C.J. Stroud this year. Wow, which would rank where in NFL area in college football history? Steven, you have that? 5,643, where would that land him? 5,643. Wow, um, you're up there. He would be sixth because there's two guys tied at fourth with Joe Burrow and Case Keenum. He'd be sixth. He'd pass Case Keenum's 2011 season at Houston. So, you know, I, I tried to think about how I think the offense is going to function, right? And so, I, like, it, that's a huge number, but – I don't know. Like it, it does not feel crazy to me. Does it, does that feel crazy? Well, it wouldn't have maybe felt crazy to me until I looked at that historical context where that is just so rare and it's, well, but- it's never been done by someone from a school like Ohio state. Like, but, I think you can look at, those- I mean, you could, yeah, but you can say the same thing about LSU before Joe Burrow did in 2019. We're, we're there now. We're like, no, no, passing no, no, no. offenses are going to get crazy. But I think there are some important differences there. Um, Joe Burrow wasn't playing November games in the snow, in the cold, and things like that. Like, those things are, yeah. those things factor into something like this. You go look at that list. It's all, I think there's like maybe like one Washington State guy on there and Ty Detmer is on there, but it's the mostly. Top- so the top guy. 10 is Western Kentucky, Texas Tech, LSU, Houston, Washington right, State, right, right. Hawaii. Yeah. 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 Why? Right. So I crazy. I mean, when you look at the math and you're just prorating what he did last year, I guess it's hard to say crazy, especially when you're backing off of what those numbers would come to. The way I came up with the number, though, I'm going to be way off of you guys. The way I came up with the number was doing what I said before. I, I pulled the Rose Bowl out and then prorated that production over 15 games. And that's how I came up with 52.66. And then I was thinking about, it it became like, where am I going to pick a number that's just over 5,000 or just under 5,000? And I kind of just decided to split the difference, that he'll beat 
he'll have a season that beats Haskins record, but falls short of 5,000. I came up, I, I went with the number 4915. And part of my reasoning is that the production he had last year, I, I'm putting some faith in this whole team being better, including the defense. I guess I'm, that's where I'm, I'm putting my faith in the defense being better. And will they need CJ Stroud to throw the ball 54 times to beat Nebraska or a Nebraska equivalent team in 2022? Will they need him to throw the ball 54 times against the equivalent of Oregon? Like, I think that there is going to be a better, um, it's just going to be a better flow of game. I don't, I think they're going to have control of more games. I don't think he'll have to throw as much as he did last year. So even if the balance is more on the pass side of the run pass equation, I don't think it's going to be, I think you could actually see a thing where he is more efficient and more impressive this year without having outrageously gaudy numbers. Okay. So compared to you guys, it sounds like I'm dropping him in the toilet (laughs) because I'm 450 yards short of Steven and uh, over 700 yards short of Doug. Uh, But 49-15 would still be, again, historically, look look at Big Ten history. That's a pretty great season. So here's my question to that. If some of it is based off you think the defense is going to be better, who says this doesn't turn into the Michigan State game eight times? Where because he is a very efficient was, passer. Yes, uh, but that was a very those were very specific circumstances. He the week before the Michigan State game, he was 81%. He I mean he was 71 72% on the year. So he's like a really efficient quarterback already. So if the defense is giving you the ball time and time again, and you have these wide receivers and that quarterback and Ryan Day's a play caller, I I mean he might not be 91%, but I'm not gonna be shocked if it's halftime of a couple of these games, and he's at 300, 325. And then they throw him out there for two or three more series in the second half, and he's close to 380, 400 by the time the game is over. Definitely possible, but this is a tougher schedule top to bottom than last year's was, right? It is. Well, it's just, but all this stuff depends how you want to look at it. Like, does a tougher schedule mean it's less likely or does a tougher schedule yeah. mean he stays in the game longer and the stats are higher, yeah. right? Because I think you can go either way with one of those. If he was playing, if they played Akron 12 times, we'd be like, well, no, he's not going to get there because he's only get, he's never going to play in the second half. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there are some Big Ten teams that play pretty good defense, at least statistically. I'm not sure that any of them are designed to deal with this. And I do think some of the historical stuff is not particularly relevant because I just think this is the Texas tech offense with first round picks in the big 10. Yeah. We've never seen that before. Like that. Yes. 20 years ago, David Klingler and Andre Ware and the BYU quarterbacks and that kind of stuff. And you know, every, every guy who came through Texas tech, that was kind of what they did. And then all of a sudden it's like the big 12 is a defensive conference now and Ohio state chucks it around like crazy. So, and yeah, it snowed for Michigan last year and, Sometimes you get a game. There's the Michigan State game a couple of years ago where the ball was blowing sideways in the wind. I get that. It's not like it's that. It's not that way every weekend in November. So I, I think you can maybe account for like one weather game that, that tampens down the passing yards, but I, I don't account for more than that. And then he's going to get to the Big Ten championship game and the playoff on fast tracks and then very good competition, but also they're going to need him to do what he can do. And so that'll those will be big games, I think. Not to be a weatherman, but if I'm not mistaken, the last 
18, 16. The last three Ohio State Michigan games in Ohio Stadium, the weather's been pretty, pretty awesome. If yeah, I'm not mistaken. I'm just saying that that there's it's not just snow. It's like it's the overall weather conditions being different in the north. But that's not like a huge part of the fact. It's just one factor to fact to, to figure in. By the way, so but here's where it's interesting. If you bring up the Texas Tech thing, like the year that Graham Harrell threw for fifty seven hundred yards, he attempted 713 passes. Now, I know that your argument is that Stroud is going to be more efficient than that and average more yards per attempt, but it's not the Texas Tech offense in the Big Ten. Like, they don't throw it that much. It's it's not. I think that would yeah, be right. – Yeah. You know, I wouldn't go that far to, into saying that. It is a – it is a um, and, the, and the Big Ten has seen big passing offenses before. I don't think it's that – this isn't that unique. Don't feel bad that you're low. It's okay. Yeah. Just, you don't have to I'm bring us saying, down just because you're shooting low. It's all right. Yeah. It's not, I'm not bringing down your predictions. I'm just making sure that we're talking about the the factors in the right way. So, I suppose. So the, 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 if he, the number that I gave, 5643, if he does that, that's 376 passing yards a game in a 15-game season. Mm-hmm. That is redonkulous. Right. Admittedly. Admittedly, except he averaged 370 the last year. So it's really only six more yards than what he's already done. So, and yeah, he missed a game last year. Mm-hmm. They didn't make the playoff or the big 10 championship game last year. So a, a lot of it is game extrapolation. So. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's again, it's, it's like, do you want to go by when you're, when you're doing that pro rating, how much are you doing? Like what I did, do you take out the Rose bowl? Do you take out, something else you add more incentive to something else it's we've all got i guess our math and that's what we're going with so i said 49 15 steven said 53 65 doug says 56 43 mark it down let's jump right ahead to his favorite receiver though because i know doug this is one that you've had bounce around in your head for a while jackson smith and jigba receiving yards oh actually hold on a second before i go on i did ask our texters 614-350-3315 to participate. I gave them a poll. And one of the questions was CJ Stroud passed for 44, 35 and 12 games. Will he break Dwayne Haskins record of 48, 31? So I said it pretty low. I just said, will he break Dwayne Haskins record, which is well below what you guys predicted and still below what I predicted. And how, what percentage do you guys think said he'll break Dwayne Haskins record? 82. 90. 67, 33% said not. And I think that number would go up if they heard the math that you guys laid out, because when you prorate it, it, it sounds like he could breeze past it, especially again, if they play 15 games. Okay. On to Jackson Smith and Jigba. 1,606 yards last year on 95 receptions. Only 42 players in NCAA history have had more than 1,606 yards in a season. Do you know how many have done it twice? Jackson Smith, Nick Chigba. Well, well he hasn't done it done yet. Once so far. Three, I'll say. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, one. Yeah, one. One player has done it. It was Troy Edwards, who was Louisiana Tech, did it in the late 90s. Kid from Hawaii, Greg Salas, uh, just barely missed it. So it would be a very, uh, as with Stroud, a very historic season if he were to do it. And, Doug, I'm going to let you lead this off since you've been itching to, I think, make the case of whether or not he can go over two grand or not 
in 2022. And if you're predicting 5,643 yards for Stroud, I think I might know where this is going. So I have to use my own numbers then, right? So I can't predict 5,643 and then not use that as an operating system for this. So I looked at the leading receiver for Ohio State and what percent of the over of the total passing yards did they account for in various seasons? In 2021, Jackson Smith and Jigba was 32.4%. Of the receiving yards in 20, Chris Olave was 34.7. In 19, Chris Olave was 23% as the leading receiver. In 2018, Parrish Campbell was 20.9%. 2017 was too spread out. Curtis Samuel in 2016 was 31.1%. 2015, Michael Thomas was 31.8. Devin Smith in 2014 was 25.1. So the highest that anybody was recently was Olave in 2020 was 34.7% of the passing yards. 1998, David Boston, in a big year, 40.1% of the receiving yards. 1995, Terry Glenn, in a big year, 40% of the team's overall receiving yards. Some other recent other players in college football. Jordan Addison last year at Pitt, the Boletnikoff Award winner, had 1,593. That was 33.8% of his team's passing yards. Devontae Smith in 2020 in his Heisman season, 1,856 yards. That was 39.9% of his team's passing yards. Jamar Chase in 2019 with LSU, 1,780 yards. He was 29.5% of the LSU receiving yards. Justin Jefferson was also over 1,500 that year. So I just looked at 56-43. I'm I'm not counting that I I gave 45 passes to the backups. Jackson Smith and Jigba won't catch any of them. So it's just off CJ's passing yards. What percent of CJ's passing yards will go to Jackson Smith and Jigba? Well, I didn't go as high as 40%, which was David Boston and Terry Glenn. I didn't go as high as 39.9%, which was Devontae Smith in 2020. But I figured if Chris Olave in 2020 could be 34.7, and those other guys are up around 40, I'll give Jackson Smith and Jigba 36% of the receiving yards from CJ Stroud this year. And this was my holy S moment. 36% of 2,643 yards is 2,031 yards. And I backed off. I was, I originally did 38% and it was like 2,300 yards and my head exploded. And I was like, well, I guess I can't go there. So I backed off and still got to this number. So This, if I'm going to predict this amount for CJ Stroud, then I feel like 2,000 yards for Jackson Smith and Jigba is very doable because I think him saying that he's 36% of the receiving yards, I don't think that's a stretch at all. 2,031.48 yards. We'll round that off to 2031. I actually came up with a number in that same realm, not in terms of total, but in terms of the percentage of the offense, the number I came up with, I just did the math was 38% of Stroud's total. And so then when you add in the extra yards that wouldn't be going to him, they'd be going to back up second half, all that stuff. It probably is closer to like 36%, I would guess. So my number is 1,870. So an improvement on last year, one of the great receiving seasons in big 10 history but again, not quite getting to that threshold of 2000 for the same reasons that I, I 
said for Stroud. Just that um, I, I, I don't know if the conditions are going to present themselves for that. Stephen, what are you going with? I feel like you cheated off my paper. Um, I did the percentages on mine, and I'm not that far off from you, Doug. I was 34.7% of CJ's passing offense, and I went 1,864 yards for him this year. And how I got there is, one, what he did in the Utah game is not happening again. I, I'm just – that's such the outlier. But what he did against Nebraska – that might happen again. And in both of those games, he had 15 catches. So what I did first was I took both of those like outlier games out of my math. And I added up the other 11 games. And what I ended up getting was the average, he had a thousand yards, a thousand and nineteen yards, which was in 5.9 catches per game for 112 yards. So I did the math on that and ended up with 1,624 after I did my 1415 thing when I multiplied 112 yards. And then I added back in the lowest of the two Nebraska and Utah games. So I added back in the 240 and ended up with 1,864 yards. Looks like I prices righted you. You did. Accidentally. I went first. I didn't know what you would pick. It's cool. Here's what I wonder with him. They love the jet sweep stuff. They love the touch pass too, but they like the jet sweep stuff with Garrett. I wonder if Jackson starts getting those and that's where some of his production starts coming from. So you like, he doesn't get 2000 receiving yards, but like he has like two or three of those jet sweeps that go for 60 yard TDs the way we've seen Garrett go. And that takes away from, you know, catches. If he does any of what we're talking about, he'd have the two greatest receiving yardage seasons in Ohio state history. We didn't do receptions. We just went with yards but it would also be he had 95 last year. Should we mark that down too? Does he have more receptions or less than he did last year? Definitely. Over under 95. Everybody he's definitely, right? definitely going to be the first person I'll say this year to have a hundred catches. I, I didn't do the math on that. <laughs> <laughs> but if all that happens, does he take Olave's place off of Rushmore? Does he take someone else's place off of Mount Buckmore? If he has probably, the, greatest, podcast, the greatest receiving season in Ohio State history. Well, the greatest, two greatest, if you could yeah. argue. No, no doubt about it. No yeah. doubt about it. He would be one of the four. And he'd make yeah. an argument for one. Yeah. You know, and I, again, I like to throw in just some historical context real quick. But like Michael Crabtree, incredible freshman season at Oklahoma, uh, 1,962 yards on 134 catches as a freshman. And then a year later, still plays 13 games, same as he played as a freshman, but only 1,165 yards and only 97 catches. And uh, Justin Blackman from Oklahoma State, a uh, very similar thing in the uh, early 2010s, 1782 as a freshman, had more catches, but 260 less yards the next year. So sometimes you know, production can be weird. You can be a better receiver and not necessarily produce more depending on the circumstances. Let's do one more big one on offense before we take a break. Trevion Henderson's rushing yards. Last year, 1,248 on 183 carries, 6.8 per carry. Stephen, why don't you leave? Go ahead. I, I, I want to interrupt on one thing real quick. Garrett Wilson had, in, in 2020 and 2021, he had two long carries. He had like a 60-yarder in 2020 and a 50-yarder in 2021. He had six carries overall, and the other didn't really go for anything. So I, I, I don't think like, a t- like Jackson's going to miss out on a bunch of receiving yards because it's a handoff. Well, I think they like to make those it's, – it's like the element of surprise with those that makes them effective. So if you think they're coming every game, I think it makes them less effective. 
yeah. So like, I, I would not discount that. And also, I just, I don't, I think he could have a Utah game. I think he could, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba could have a 350 yard game this year. I don't, I don't think that's, there were some particular things in play, but the main thing that was in play aside from Utah playing running backs or corner was that Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson weren't there. And so they're definitely not going to be here the whole season. So I, I understand what you did, Stephen, but like I would not. But it was automatically. I, I get it, but it was also Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson not being there and those other guys around him not playing real roles all season and not like this year where it's like they're a normal part to the game plan. Okay. I think there's going to be occasions where Jackson Smith the Jigba plays a secondary similar to the one he saw against Utah. I just think he won't see it for two halves. I think it'll be Akron or or not Akron. I'm sorry. um, Arkansas state, like those kinds Mm -hmm. of games. And that was the, the conditions that led to Utah was him seeing it for a full game. So will that happen again? Or will there just be a game that turns into a shootout that Ohio state has to that's, that's plausible. I think that's almost more plausible that he would actually be facing a better team, but for whatever reason, they would need to still be firing it all game in order to win it like that. I will say again, 2,031 yards in a 15-game season is 135 yards per game. Is there like any part of 135 receiving yards on average that feels crazy? Because it's like, oh, Jackson Smith and Jigba kind of had a eh game. He had six catches for 111. And then the next week, it's like, oh, he went crazy. He had a great game. He had eight catches for 184, right? I just don't think he's going to have a bunch of games where he has like four catches for 63 yards. Anyway. I just, I just don't yeah. want, I don't want people to think 2000 is fanciful. Like I no. really, I really no. don't think it's, it's, I don't think it is. I thought it was completely, I mean, I think yeah. both the numbers that Steven and I picked tell you that 2000 is, is not yeah. fanciful because it's only 10 more yards a game that gets you there for both right. of us. Yeah. Right. So yeah, we're, we're definitely, definitely not making that argument. All right. One more before we take a break. Treviana Henderson rushing yards. As a true freshman last year, 1,248 yards on 183 carries. That was 6.8 per carry. One of the best freshman seasons in the country. One of the best uh, pound-for-pound running back seasons in the country last year. Steven, what are you marking down on Trevion Henderson's rushing yardage in 2022? Yeah, there was also a 96 yards per carry. I don't... It was not 96 yards per carry. No, no, I'm sorry. He yeah. wasn't per game. On per game. Yeah, per okay. game. Lord, that would have been wild. I went 1,400 yards even with him. I just don't – I think he just might get used the exact same way this year just because he's not the focal point quite yet. It's just going to – he's going to do it in more games because they're not going to, you know, tap out at 13. So I – if I did my math at at 14 games, it was 1,344 yards, and at 15 games it was 1,440, and I split it down the middle and went 1,400 yards. But also he is a – they do use him in the passing game in some of these games. So there's going to be, there's going to be at least two or three games where he has like four or five catches. I had a less scientific way of coming up with the number of carries that I gave him this year. I I looked at last year and for some reason, like 17 is a number that jumps off in big games that he would have about 17. there, There were multiple games last year where he had 17 carries so I took 17 and prorated it over 15. And then I looked at the games where Ohio State was like blowing people out and he was, you'd usually get like eight. So there were like four games where I took that off. So I ended up with 219 carries this year. So my number is going to be 1,489. 
So on the cusp of a 1,500-yard season, I think he is a bigger part of the offense this year, but not so much that he has a historic rushing season. So that's 6.8 yards per carry. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's what he averaged last year. That's just that's the that's the the very, very simple, uneducated but math as, that I used. But also that. also as we talked about on the Travion Henderson pot, he only actually averaged around six yards per carry once the entire season. That was against Maryland. Right now it was against um Tulsa, wasn't it? Tulsa. No, he averaged he averaged eleven point seven yards per against Tulsa. He averaged six point four against Maryland. Oh, okay. Well, I, yeah, you're saying, but I'm saying there was only one game where he went over six point nine. Like there was only one game where he had six point eight nine or better. No, no, no. There were other games where he had six point eight nine. No, no. He against Akron, he was eleven point six. Rutgers eight point nine. He had other games where he went monster. It's just like there's two games against the games against Penn State, Nebraska, Michigan, and Utah pull him down to six point eight. Okay, well, right, right. Okay, I see what you're saying. Okay. Okay, so I looked at recent. Ohio State. So again, we're going we're going by the idea that I think Ohio State's going to run 75 plays per game, 39 passes and 36 runs. So I'm using that same thing, 36 rushing attempts per game. Then I looked at their lead back in recent years. What percent of the overall rushing attempts did the number one back get? In 2019, J.K. Dobbins got 45 percent of the overall carries. That's everybody. 2018, when they split. J.K. Dobbins got 40%. Mike Weber got 30%. 2015, Ezekiel Elliott, the full-year guy, he got 50% of the carries. Last year, Travion got 43% of the carries. So I'm trying to figure out, okay, how many carries is he going to get? I looked at Travion 43% last year. I looked at Zeke 50%. I looked at J.K. Dobbins 45% his big year. I decided to say I think he'll get 46% of the carries. So that's 46%. If they're, if you have average 36 rush attempts per game over 15 games, that's 540 carries. He gets 46% of those. That's 248 carries. That's 16.5 per game. Then I looked at yards per carry. I knocked it down a little bit from 6.8 because I do think, I mean, he hit a lot of home runs last year, and I almost think they're going to rely on him more to, at times when he's not going to hit home runs, but he's going to get three yards on third and one. I don't think that's only going to be Mayan Williams. So I think that'll maybe bring his yards per carry down a little bit. Not that he won't hit home runs. So I gave him six yards per carry times 248 carries is 1,488 yards. And then I bumped it and I made it 1500 even. I also think I would throw in an average of two to three catches per game. So that's between 30 and 45 receptions. So we're not doing yards per scrimmage from scrimmage. But if you think he's going to get 16.5 carries, I think he'll approach 20 touches, maybe two and a half receptions per game. That's 19 touches, right, offensively. So you're, you're kind of getting there a little bit. But in the end, I, did, I just did 1,500. So that's 100 yards per game over a 15-game season. Power five running backs – in the last five full seasons, how many of them had at least 1,500 rushing yards? 2016, it was four. 2017, it was four. 2018, it was four. 2019, it was six. Last year, it was three. If he had 1,500 rushing yards last year, he would have been sixth in the country. He would have been fourth among power five backs. So that is a really good year without 
leaning on him too much. I, 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 if he's getting 46% of the carries, I gave the quarterbacks 11% of the carries. And then I had Mayan Williams and Evan Pryor combining for 32% of the carries. Plus then there's always like about 10% that goes to random dudes sort of in blowouts, or maybe you're, maybe there's a bubble screen to a receiver that counts as a run, that kind of thing. That's kind of a pretty good load, I think, for Mayan Williams and Evan Pryor. But I think you got to take you got to take into account Trevion in the pass game. I think you have to take into account it's still only a second year. They're going to throw it like crazy. So I think this, but I think this is almost low. Like I don't know how anybody could get like oh 1100 yards. It's like what are you talking about? I think he could fall out of bed and get 1350. You know what I mean? In a 15 yep. game season for a guy who now has had a whole year of doing it. So I'll go 1500 and I feel like very good that that is not at all crazy. That's a very, as much as we had a conversation about could Trayvon Henderson be dominant this year? I think that is a really important role for a really, for an excellent offense and a very good team that might win the national championship. That's not, that's not destroying people all year. Right. So no, and again, when you're talking about 15 games, that's, that's where it gets, if you think, if you're thinking it could be 15 games, because 1500 is a number that he could achieve in less than 15 games. Yeah. And it's just about like how they decide to go about it. Right. Because again, like the breakdown in 2019, when JK Dobbins ran for 2000 yards, they ran it 47 times per game and mm-hmm. threw it 29 times per game. They threw it. They ran it 18 times more per game than they threw it. That is not what they're going to do this year. I think they're going to throw it more than they run it. So all of a sudden it's like, man, oh man, that is J.K. Dobbins had 300 carries that year. I just think, I just think it'll be a pretty equal distribution that leans toward the pass, which makes it hard for Travion to get 2000 yards. This will be interesting to do Travion next year when he is in the J.K. Dobbins position of new starting quarterback and your superstar running backs in year three and ready to carry the entire load. 3,500 yards, 3,500 yards, 200 yards per game over a 15 game season. I'm just kidding. That's not quite how that math works, but it's close. I texted this out last week as I was working on a piece. I did write a piece about Trevin Henderson. What he did last year, he and Braylon Allen from Wisconsin, one of only, there were two of, I think it was 11 power five true freshmen to play at least half their games, average 6.5 yards per carry or more and 80 plus yards per game. But, I looked at what that group did in their next year and only two guys, and it was Jonathan Taylor and LaMichael James were even arguably better in their second year. And I think that I'm not as worried about that with Henderson because a Henderson got his without like getting loaded up with carries. Like it wasn't like they workhorsed him as a true freshman. I think he's got a little bit more tread on his tires going into the second year. And again, as you're saying, he doesn't have to, carry the offense he is an effective weapon within the offense because of how variable it is also we're talking about it's not crazy to think jackson would have a 300 receiving yard game it's also not crazy to think that Travion henderson runs all kinds of stupid on arkansas state even if they don't play him the entire game he might have 155 yards at halftime or rutgers or indiana or Actually, a pretty good team. He's that kind of back, I think. I think he could have, if he has 260 yards against Iowa, mm-hmm. would yeah. be like surprising, but it wouldn't like blow anybody's head off. 
it just like, like, what do you think is a better opportunity for him to go crazy in the first half against Arkansas state and get like 170 yeah. yards on 13 carries or to be in a game against Penn state or Michigan state or Iowa or Wisconsin mm-hmm. where they need him. And he has like 211 yards on 28 carries because they need him. You know, I don't, I don't know. It's one of the, it's just, I, I don't know that I have a philosophical statistical thing of what I try to do. I do think sometimes I just kind of go down the middle because I don't, we know Dwayne Haskins and those receivers put up big numbers because the defense stunk and they stayed on the field all the time. But I do think sometimes statistically bad opponents can be better, but I also think sometimes good opponents can be better because the thing when we talk about good opponents for Ohio state, we're not really talking about a good opponent shutting down this offense. Mm -hmm. It's just that the good offensive players will play 60 minutes and get more opportunities and they won't take their foot off the gas. I don't know that we, did anyone give any consideration? Like Kenneth Walker, the third last year, had an awesome year, but with a zero against Ohio State. Right. Like they just tried him, Haskell yeah, Garrett, threw him in the stands. And they were like, well, he's done for the day. Like I don't take that into account with Trivia Henderson or Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like, hey, right. Jackson Smith and Jigba, what if, what if Penn State moves Joey Porter in the slot and he drapes him, is all over ball game and he has one catch? It's like, well, I just, I can't imagine how that would happen. So he's always going to be, at the very least, pretty good. Yeah, even like, if it's on. Go ahead, Nathan. I was going to say, like forty-seven to twenty-four games will be amazing for the numbers that this offense puts up this year. For what these individual guys would put up, we can talk, have a different conversation about whether that's good for this team. But it would be great for the for the individual offensive players. That's what I was going to say. I agree with you. Yeah, it'll be interesting to like when you think about like CJ Stroud touchdown passes, it'll be interesting to see the breakdown of how many by quarter because he might throw 22 in the second quarter, but how many will he throw in the fourth quarter? Because how many chances will he get? I do just think again, they don't bench guys at halftime. And, and I think against anybody that's not a Mac team, I think he'll play the whole third quarter. Sometimes it's like, I mean, and I think he might play like one series into the fourth quarter, even in blowouts. They, they don't really pull guys. They let him play, man. Especially Ryan Day knows he's trying to, and, win the, he's just trying to win the Heisman. And in, in the case of Trevor Henderson too, I think we saw, we know we saw the effects of how much time he had away from football, keeping him off the field at times last year. That was, that's why he had some of those games where he only had seven or eight carries. I think that will probably be, I think I undershot how many carries he had this year, which means I, but I also kept that average so high, so I'm probably still – I probably would have come up with the same number, roughly. Also, to, to the point of you know, he lets guys play, but also Day is uber-aggressive in the first half of games. Yep. So like, that's that's to the, my point of like the, whether it's Travion, Jackson, CJ, these guys' numbers, a lot of it is going to come in the first half anyway because of how Day likes to run offenses. He puts that gas on the pedal as quickly as possible and tries to get up. And maybe it's not till halfway through the third quarter, whether his starters are out there now now, or not that he pulls off. I don't think you're supposed to pour the gasoline onto the pedal. You put the gasoline in the car and then you step on the pedal, but it works. Whatever works for him. They're putting up plenty of points. I asked our texters, Trevion Henderson, will he rush for 1,600 or more yards in 2022? I went high on that to see how people were thinking if he could have like a really even more special season. It was a 55-45 vote. Did they say yes or no? No. No. 55% no. Trevion Henderson not did, rushing for 1,600. Did any of us? We all would have voted no, right? We all came we in. We all voted 16. no also. We all came in. The highest was you at 1,500. I was 1,489. 
and Steven was 1,400. I've got some more questions about offense, more things we want to mark down. We're going to do it after this break on Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. We're back on Buckeye Talk. As always, I forgot to read one of the texture questions from the survey that I sent out when we were talking about that. I asked if Jackson Smith and Jigba will reach 2,000 receiving yards in 2022. I think I forgot to say this, did I not? I think you forgot, yes. I think I forgot. Do you think they said... Well, I guess what 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 percentage do you think said yes? Twenty eight percent. Twenty one. Twenty three percent yes. Seventy seven percent no. So I I think that's a pretty healthy mix. I think that's still because saying no to that still, as Stephen and I did, lets you mark him down for a pretty healthy season, regardless of getting that two thousand number. All right, let's move on to other questions on offense. Let's stay with the receivers. Marvin Harrison Jr. touchdowns. The Ohio State record is 17. Steven, when you were driving the bus for Mr. Harrison, you predicted he will break that record or tie that record. I can't remember which you said. Uh, The Big Ten record, by the way. Yeah, the Big Ten record is Desmond Howard's 19 in 1991. So, Steven, why don't you go ahead and tell us exactly how many touchdown receptions you are marking down for Marvin Harrison Jr. this year? 18. And it's because uh, Desmond Howard had the 19, and that's a Heisman Trophy season, and I don't think he's going to get that, but 18. How many do you think Jackson has? Just like, did you think about that, or like, you think it's less than 18? Yeah, I think it's around 12, 13. Okay. I, I, I think that I think that there's a there's a chance that the yards might look interesting for guys, but I do think that the one thing I will take from the Utah game that – I think it's just going to be the thing this year is that Jackson and Marvin are going to be the wide receivers scoring. And they both had three in that game. And I just think Marvin being that red zone threat that he is, I gave him 18 and I gave Jackson 13 or 12 or one of those two, which is like the bulk of CJ's touchdown passes. So I looked at it sort of the other way. I I've been a big proponent of Marvin Harrison Jr. being a a real red zone threat and a fun thing for CJ Stroud to have in this offense. And I think he will be that, but I think he can be that and it can come to fruition and he could get nowhere near 17 touchdown receptions. It's just a lot of touchdowns, man. And I think this offense is so variable with so many guys that can score that I just I couldn't get really anywhere near that number. I think Jackson Smith the Jigba, I would actually probably predict him to have more touchdowns than Marvin Harrison Jr. simply because he'll have a higher volume of catches. Only having nine touchdowns on 95 receptions is um, a little bit 
on the low side, really. And I think if he goes more receptions, as we all think he will, then he'll naturally, I think, have more touchdowns. I'm saying Marvin Harrison Jr., 11 touchdown receptions, which is actually still really good. That's in the same realm that you've seen people like um, Chris Olave be in the last couple of years. I know that in 2020, so Garrett Wilson's second year, true second year, he had six touchdown catches in eight games. You prorate that over 15, I think you get like 10 and a quarter. So I rounded it up to 11 for Marvin Harrison Jr. So I looked at the number of touchdowns that I think Ohio State's going to score. Ohio State in 2014 scored 90 touchdowns. Uh, Last year, Ohio State scored 76 touchdowns. In 2019, LSU scored 95, Ohio State scored 88. In 2018, Bama scored 92, Clemson scored 90. So 90 is a lot of touchdowns. Yeah. So I said, well, if they scored 90 touchdowns while winning the national championship in 2014, maybe they can score 90 touchdowns again. In 2014, they scored 42 passing touchdowns, 41 rushing touchdowns, and seven on defense and special teams, which is a lot. Yeah, like, yeah. They returned like four fumbles for touchdowns that year. So I said, well, I think it's going to be more of a passing team than a rushing team. I gave them three others, defensive slash special teams. So that left mm-hmm. 87 other offense or offensive touchdowns. I said 51 passing touchdowns, 36 rushing touchdowns. Just try, So 51 passing touchdowns. And then I tried to look. Devin Smith in 2014 had 12. Michael Thomas had nine. Um, I, I get the idea of, of Marvin Harrison being quite a threat for this, but I still gave Jackson Smith and Jigba more. I understand the idea of like an X receiver in the red zone being that kind of guy. Maybe he gets some long ones. Maybe he gets some in the red zone. I also just think Jackson Smith and Jigba can catch like a the late yard route in the middle of the field and all of a sudden run away from people. So I had Jackson Smith and Jigba with 15, Marvin Harrison Jr. with 13. The other receivers with 10. Trevion Henderson, I gave him five receiving touchdowns. Like, I just think that could be a thing. I like Trevion Henderson in the screen game. The tight ends, I gave three. And then, like, everybody else, I gave five because there's always some weird people, right? Mayan Williams catches one and, you know, Jaden Ballard catches one in a blowout, that kind of thing. So, like, I don't – 13's not far away from – 17 or 18 and 19. I, I don't think it's impossible. And I understand the case for the position and the style of receiver that Marvin Harrison Jr. is. I understand the case for him being their leader in touchdown receptions. I think there is a case for that. But if I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to have arguably the greatest receiving season in college football history, then I'm going to say it leads the team in touchdowns too. So I have Marvin at 13. I think the other, also in my mind was this, that yes, he has this body type, and that would make him a red zone threat. And yes, this offense is going to be explosive. I think you always have to remember, though, the importance of like completing your development too. And I know that Jackson Bithajig would just had this amazing season as a second year guy, but I, I, I just don't want. If I'm predicting things, I don't want to get a little bit out over my skis. I think this is a much more realistic number for him. Maybe next year. I just wonder if there's going to be, you know, a couple times here and there. Oh, I wish I had turned my body differently. Oh, it, it bounced off my hands when I should have had it. Next year, I'll make that catch. That sort of thing is still a little bit in effect for a second-year guy. Um, I get it. But also, we sound like a year ago talking about Jackson Smith the Jigba. And then he went out and broke a bunch of records. 
Well, last year with Jackson Smith, the Jigba, though, wasn't necessarily a um, – it was more about we didn't necessarily think he was even going to have the role. I don't think any of us are, are doubting what Marvin Harrison Jr.'s role and relative number of targets is going to be. It's just whether or not they turn into one of the great touchdown-catching seasons in Big Ten history. I mean, it feels like, Stephen, part of what you're you're getting at here is – is someone's chance to break a record when they're the number one guy, or does it actually maybe help the case if they're kind of not the number one guy and they sort of sneak up on people slash they're not the focus of an opposing defense and it allows something like this to happen that you're not making an argument that Marvin Harrison Jr. will be Ohio State's best receiver. Correct. You're just making an argument that in this particular area, perhaps because there will be a safety hanging overall on top of Jackson Smith and Jigba every time the Ohio State gets inside the 20-yard line, which leaves maybe Marvin one-on-one, and all of a sudden CJ's taking those shots and he's converting them. Yeah. And yes. that maybe even like Marvin Harrison Jr., then in year three, when he probably will be Ohio State's number one receiver, might, might have, have fewer it. touchdowns. Not because seen... he's worse, but because of how it all fits together. Like that concept is not – that new at Ohio state for guys is just Joey Bosa went through that exact thing where, and I understand he had a role year as a freshman as well, but his best year was a sophomore year. And then everybody started paying too much attention to him. So it's, I mean, Jackson Smith, the Jigba just had a Joey Bosa sophomore year. So I, I would assume that people are going to pay attention to him. Now it'll be harder to take away the yards because he is in the slot and CJ still good across the middle, but also, I don't that doesn't necessarily being racking up all those yards doesn't always equate to touchdowns. As we oh, saw which is, last year. Yeah, we, we which saw. is why like the Nebraska game, 15 catches, a bunch of yards, only one touchdown. I asked I also, the tech I also think they they even though I have them with 51 passing touchdowns, I do think they will want to and emphasize running it like inside the 10 when they yeah. get down to some of that stuff. So I think especially early in the year, I yeah. could see it being a real emphasis. So you got to, you know, prove that they can do it to themselves. I asked the texters, will Marvin Harrison Jr. break Terry Glenn's single season record of 17 touchdown receptions? What percentage said yes? 17%. To 19.5%. This doesn't show decimals. It's 21%. I'm not going to figure out. I was going to say 20% at first, but I wanted to split the difference. But still, like, again, that leaves a lot of room saying he won't get saying he won't break the record, which means 18 or more, which is what Stephen predicted, is still leaving a lot of room for him to have a pretty uh, impressive season. I said 11. Doug said 13. That's what we're marking down on Marvin Harrison Jr. Touchdowns. Who produces more? And there's two of these, as I teased before, but they've been things we've been talking about a lot through the preseason and the offseason. Who produces more in 2022 combined rushing and receiving yardage? Mayan Williams or Evan Pryor? I actually thought this was a little too easy, maybe, because everything we've seen has Mayan Williams with the edge right now pretty significantly, I think, in like snaps or roll. We haven't seen Evan Pryor yet elevated to a level that's like even with Mayan Williams. So I'm picking Mayan Williams just because I think he'll still have a bigger role in this offense. Yeah, and there's no math to this. It's like I didn't. Right. It's just well, I, I have an yeah. idea of what I think like the running backs who aren't Trevion Henderson will do, but I, you can't mathematize this. So I agree with you, Nathan. It's just like our eyeballs and what the coaches are saying. It's not even like 
well, what would we do? Well, that's not what we're doing. We're doing what, what we think the coaches are going to do. I think it's pretty clearly Mayan Williams. I think had I not seen a full practice, I maybe would have tried to come on here and make a case that Mayan probably has a bigger role, but Evan does more just because he's more explosive, but I'm not going to do that. It's Mayan Williams. It's one of those things, again, we're talking stats. It's a stats question. So what if they really want Evan to feel valued and to really get some run? And like Evan Pryor is the starting running back in the second half for four drives or five drives against Arkansas State and Toledo and Rutgers and in the blowouts. And Mayan is clearly the second back, but they almost rest Mayan like they rest Trey when they Mm -hmm. get up big. And then Evan Pryor has a game where against Rutgers, he rushes 14 times for 81 yards because they're feeding him the ball the whole second half. And all of a sudden, we get to the end of the year, and Mayan Williams as the number two back has 351 rushing yards, and Evan Pryor as clearly the third back, but he had like 200-yard games mm-hmm. in the second half of blowouts, and he has 414 yards. Like I think that's the case for it, but that's too complicated for me, I think. It, yeah. The eyes I, are I, Mayan. Yeah, and I hear it, but I also think there's going to be times where they want Mayan to get his too. I think in those cases, it might be Mayan who is getting some of those cleanup yards to start the second half, and then Evan's more like picking the bones. They want to keep Evan Pryor on the roster. True. I understand. Like Mayan Williams knows what he is. Mayan Williams is looks is going to be their number two running back this year. He's going to be their number two running back next year. Mayan Williams understands it. And then there's a decision of, does he get the fourth series? Right. Is that how they're going to do it? So I think they're going to be able to show Mayan what they're going to show him. He's going to understand it. And then maybe he makes a decision a year from now. Do I want to go be a lead back somewhere else? Or do I want to come back and be Travion's backup as he tries to win the Heisman in 2023? Evan didn't do anything last year. And I, I do think they, they want him to be here and they've got to, they've got to give him a little run, I think. So I think I I understand what you're saying, Nathan, but I think if it's real garbage time, I think that might be Evan prior time. And it it is tricky because Brian Williams can still be here in 2023. And if he's comfortable with that role, being the number two back on a national championship contender, um, then you're right that it does make it you do have to sort of establish some kind of role for Evan Pryor where he's feeling valued too because if he doesn't if he isn't around for 2024 then it starts to get there's some sketch well then we talked about have, many times have a five-star freshman in 2024 who's the lead back but yeah maybe maybe they will <laughs> maybe they won't we've, we've made that bet before uh ask the texters who will finish with more combined rushing and receiving yards in 2022 who did they pick Mayan, 75%. Mayan, 85%. Our Texas really like Mayan. They do really like uh, Mayan. There's some that really like Evan Pryor, too, though. It's 63% picking Mayan. So almost two-thirds still picking him to have the edge. This is one I didn't send the texters, I don't think. Who produces more, Julian Fleming or Emeka Egbuka, taking offense only into account? And we've done a lot of this. I think we can like make our picks and go. Yeah. I'm I'm taking a Mecca. And a little bit of that is if I have to make a bet, Julian's past injuries come into play a little bit if I'm making a pick like this. And a Mecca just looks explosive. And if they're both out there, I think it could be close, but I'll lean a Mecca. I lean to Mecca simply because 
if they both have 35 catches this year, who do I think ha- does more with those 35 catches? And it's a Mecca Buka. That's a good way to think of it. That's a pretty smart way. Yeah. I just the other day we were having this discussion and I said I would still take Fleming. And I changed my mind. I'll take Egbuka. So that's a sweep for Egbuka producing more in 2022, which seems like something we should talk about more as we go forward. Cause that's uh that, that might be significant. Cade Stover receptions in 2022. One of the best texts of the off season was the texter who asked, Hey, the Titans had 12 catches in spring game. How many games will it take the Titans to have 12 catches this season? Uh, just a, a fantastic question. Uh, I am going to go ahead and I wasn't really thinking of that at the time. I'm going to say 12 catches for Cade Stover. 26 for Jeremy Ruckert last year, but Jeremy Ruckert was a more complete offensive player at that stage of his career. And um, I don't think they'll ask Cade Stover to be a receiver nearly as much as he did Jeremy Ruckert. So I think 12 is a fine number. I almost think this kind of thing could work against itself sometimes that defenses know that Jeremy Ruckert's a threat in the pass game and they don't won't view Cade Stover the same way, which actually Maybe. might lead to Cade Stover getting a few more catches. So I have 22, which is one and a half a game in a 15 game season. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they're particularly impactful. It might be flipping the ball for an eight yard gain on first and 10, just because you know, he's going to be wide open and two big plays the whole year. But um, I just like, I, I often thought that it happened with the Browns. It's like Odell Beckham Jr. was such a threat. And then he got hurt. And then Donovan Peoples-Jones replaced him. And I think people thought like, ah, Donovan Peoples-Jones, we're not that worried about him. And then Donovan Peoples-Jones like was more productive because he was open more often because they didn't cover him the same way they covered Odell Beckham Jr. So it's kind of like that, like reverse thinking. So I, again, 22, one and a half a game. And it does feel high to me. It feels it feels high. <laughs> One and a half per game. What is he, George Kittle? No, I get. I mean, I get it, but I don't know. That's where I landed. So last year, Doug and I had the famous tight end re- argument about Jeremy Ruckert having twenty catches, and I thought we were going to end up having the same argument this year, but we were mm-hmm. going to flip stances because my number was 22 and it was literally for that reason. (laughs) That's why I made that face. I thought we were going to have that argument again. You'd be like, Steven, you didn't think Jeremy Rucker was going to have 20. How do you think caged over? But it was literally that exact argument. At some point, there's going to be a team out there. They're not going to give up anything deep. They're going to do everything they can to Jackson and CJ is a mature enough quarterback now to take what the defense gives when it's time to do that. And that's when he just starts stepping off to, Kate Stover. There's a four catch game for him out there just because randomly the tight end has a four catch game. I would all just like to state for the record, I was right. You said he he would have less than 20 catches and people give me guff because he only had 26. Is 26 more than 20? He had basically the worst year that any that you could have seen for Jeremy Ruckert. And he still had more than 20, which was my whole point. You and did win the semantic was, argument. Was, Congratulations. It's not, no, it's, 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 if it's I, not a semantic. That, if you I won take the it to the argument. window, if I take it to the betting window, my slip cash is <laughs> yeah, the actual does prediction. Not. It's not so, semantics. So, but again, that's number. the whole thing. 
It was the worst year he could have had. They ignored him. They ignored an NFL tight end, and he still had 26. So anyway. they played. They played fewer games, also one fewer game at least than we would have been predicting them to have played yeah, last yeah, year for sure. So uh, you know, Doug won that slam dunk. This is not. This is oh, not. All right, some, all right, all right, all right. Okay. Yes. This is not some crust, won- no crust purgatory we're going to play yeah. here. It was 20, and he got more the than point, 20. I, but the point I was making still stood. As Doug just said, it was the worst statistical year that Jeremy Rucker could have possibly had, which was the point I was trying to make. But, yes, well, he did win the less numbers. Than 20 could have possibly been worse. Okay. And he didn't on. do that. One more thing. This isn't even offense. It's special teams, technically, but it's an offensive player we've already mentioned. Emeka Ibuka touchdown returns over or under 0.5. Does he have a touchdown return, a kickoff return touchdown in 2022? Yes. I answered IDC. I don't care. We got it. Okay, what's your actual answer? Zero. No. I'm done waiting on punt. Special teams are are special teams are practically out of the game. It's practically out of the this game. This is true. Especially like with a team like Ohio State, where they're more than happy to fair catch it and let their offense get on the field. The, the way the kick game has changed. I mean, it's just a, it's just a fair catch change of possession almost all the time. And the, like the teams that really do it are like, well, we know our offense can't drive 80 yards for a touchdown most of the time. So we've got to hope we have a, a dude who can give us a jolt, but Ohio state's offense is like, well, we're, we're pretty sure we're going to score anyway. So I just think it's like that um, de-emphasis of it. I don't, I don't even know how many returns he'll have. Well, they let him return it more yeah, last year. It. I mean, it I wasn't Demario back there. No but offense. He, but he also matters more this year. So he does matter more they, this they year. They didn't let like likely, KJ yes. Hill didn't run many back. Garrett Wilson, they didn't have a ton. When they had bigger roles on the offense, if they're still putting you out there, I think more often than not, they're very happy with the fair catch. I think there's also he's more of a known quantity this year. If I'm an opposing coach. Even if I know Emeka Book is fast, maybe I'm kicking to him anyway. It's a true freshman. Maybe he fumbles. Maybe there's something. You know what I mean? But now I think he's known as a threat there, and he may just get yeah. less opportunities that way. So I'm still going to vote yes because it's fun. All right, one more break. We're going to come back, and we are going to get into some of the defensive predictions here on Buckeye Talk. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Wrapping up this Market Down Monday, we're getting into defensive predictions for Ohio State statistics. Boy. Almost got there. Ohio State statistics in 2022. Let's start first, though. Let's set some parameters. Who are Ohio State's top two defensive ends and snaps in the coming year? JT Tuimaloau and Zach Harrison. I'll say JT Tuimaloau and Jack Sawyer. And I'm also going to say Harrison and Tuimaloau. Stephen, why do you think Sawyer over Harrison? I mean, for what it's worth, it's going to be like seven more snaps than Zach Harrison. I don't think it's going to be significant. Um, I just think 
there's going to be some games where I think he's better in the run game one, cause he's just been in the program a year longer and there's going to be some games when they're going to need the, the elite pass rusher. And I just think from a raw talent standpoint, he brings that to the table more than anybody else in that room, which as the season progresses, that becomes more of a valuable thing. I think they're going to play some teams where they really need to stop the run and Yes, Jack's better, but he's still, I don't think, quite the physical presence that JT and Zach are. And so I think there could be some situations there where against Wisconsin, against Iowa, against Notre Dame, maybe the snap edge just goes to those other guys a little bit. And the rest of the time, it's a three-way rotation through two spots for the most part. So I just think it's close, but that's why I have Jack getting edged out. Yeah, I think it will be tight. So I, I think we may look back at this at the end of the year, and I think you might be right, Stephen, that it is a, it's a really tight race between those three. Um, or do you think it's going to be tight between all three of them or just between Harrison and Sawyer? I'm going to say all three of them for right now. I think if JT had Jack's pass rushing skill set, I would say it would be tight between Jack Sawyer and Zach Harrison. So let's I, do the same th- I still think there'll be, right, there'll be times in the Rushman package on third down when all three of them will be on the field. Yeah, right. Top two defensive tackles in snaps. This one's a, a, a little bit more of a broader spectrum of guys to choose from. Pick your guy, man. Nathan, come on. I did. Pick I'm saying Teron Vincent and Mike Hall. That is also who I picked. Ty Hamilton and Talik Williams. I think Teron was pretty decent at the end of last year. I really think good he probably ball. gets the edge there a little bit above Ty Leak. I think Ty Leak will continue to build up his snap count. He flashes. They want more consistency. We've heard that from Ryan Day. And I just think Mike Hall probably in the end is their best nose. And maybe that means Jerron Cage starts most of the time, but in the second half of games when it matters, I just think it might be an edge to Mike Hall there. So again, I think we've talked about the sort of the five defensive tackles we think are going to play. And I know Jim Knowles, I think on the Big Ten Network was talking about eight to 10 defensive linemen that they'll rotate. And that's like, yeah, I think that's like the eight guys that we've talked about the three ends and the five tackles. And I know he said that he doesn't think maybe they'll rotate as much in the back seven, but I think, I think we're on it with how these guys are going to, who's going to play and how they're going to play them. And hot hand, I think will matter a little bit, but I, that I just, it's one of those things like, right. We have Vincent and cage as the vets. And then we have the three younger guys. And so I gave one and one. One older guy, one younger guy. The hot hand theory is why I lean to leak because what if he does get consistent against a Wisconsin or a Penn State? And then sure. all of a sudden there's a yep. week where he's played 55 snaps just because he's hot and Larry Johnson can't take him off the field. Even if he actually, even if he never takes the first snap of any game this season. That's a lot of snaps for a tackle given the rotation. I know, I know. But uh, I, I just think. I think it's possible Vincent is pretty darn good this year. You know, it's like we can lump Cage and Vincent as the older guys. I think Vincent has more upside still. I mean, Cage has been a good player for them. And that's, I'm not just only looking at, at his recruiting ranking. It's like, you know, we, he dealt with the, the injury and kind of came back around. I think there have been some games where he's been moderately impactful for them. So, I, I, but I don't think, I think you could have picked any of those five guys and, and picked any two. And I wouldn't pick, Hall and Cage right. as like the two noses. But like other yeah. than that, I think you can, I don't know that there's a bad reasoning any, anyway. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's any reasonable in any combination there is reasonable. So that leads us into who will be Ohio State's sacks leader in 2022 and how many will they have? And I think that second part is a really important question because every year Ohio State has a sack leader, but it's been the lack of like high end production there that has been hurting them a little bit. Last year, they, you know, their top returning guy is Tyleek Williams. He had five. Four of those were in the fourth quarter of blowout games, as people have heard me say before, which, again, I'm not ripping the guy for anything. I'm just giving the context. Uh, JT Tuomaloao had three and a half. Jack Sawyer had three even. Just as a quick point of information, do you guys know how many Ohio State players in the last decade had at least 10 sacks in a season? How many times it happened? Two. Three. Chase Young in 18 and 19 and Joey right. Bosa in 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it can feel like, what? They got to have a guy with 10 sacks. It's like, oh, yeah. You no. mean if he's a top three pick in the NFL draft? Like that's, well, yeah. Well, if he's that, then maybe that'll happen. And maybe they have guys on this team who will be that. But I, I think there are at times, I've done it, where I can be like, 10? What's 10? That's not asking that much. They bet. And they have a lot of years, you know, Nick Bosa in 2017, led him with eight and a half. Tyquan Lewis in 15 and 16, led him with eight. You know, it's, it's very easy to not have a guy of 10. Chase Young and Joey Bosa made sacks not look like a hard stat. And they're very hard. And they're only going to get harder because now House it has that reputation of having Bosa's and Chase Young's. So it's yeah. that, that that informed my thinking on the number that I picked. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about how other than Chase Young, it's they haven't had many guys even finishing in the top 10 of the Big Ten in sacks in recent vintage, which is something of a I don't know if you'd say an embarrassment for Ohio State, but it it, it, it for someone who's or a program that's known for its rush ends to not be able to get anyone other than this one like athletic freak into the top 10 over this period of time has been, I think, frustrating to say the least, but over 15 games, if you average half a sack a game, that's that, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't have to get 10 to get in the top 10 of the, the big 10. You can still have a really productive year. So that's actually how I came up with this number. I was looking at, you know, how state get somebody into the top 10 this year. If they play 15 games, what's like the bare minimum to do that. I'm giving it to Jack Sawyer with seven and a half sacks. I picked Jack with seven. I picked Jack with eight. Look at us. So I think and the reason is, I, I yeah. use the 2016 template where like one guy's got eight and the other guy's got five, five and a half as your second guy. So that's that. I, I think that's a perfect template, except like in this situation it's two five stars instead of just one. But yeah, that's, that was a perfect template for me. I mean, if I was going deeper, I might say Jack Sawyer, seven, JT six, Zach Harrison, five. You know, like that, mm. that if that, that again, last year they had 36 sacks as a team. That was 2.77 per game. You know, in 2019 with Chase, they had 54 sacks. They averaged 3.86 per game. They averaged more than one more sack per game in 19 compared to last year. So when you start thinking about the team stuff, I think they'll probably get a few more sacks as a team, which might could push the number for the leader up. But I actually think it'll just be more guys are between like have at least five, you know, or, and there's maybe, and then maybe Tyreek Williams has four and, and Javante Jean-Baptiste has four. And I, I think that's how it works out. I don't think, I don't think there's one guy with 12. So that was 7.5 for me, seven for Doug, eight for Steven, all picking 
Jack Sawyer. Do you guys think anybody else gets over five? I put JT at five and a half. Yeah, I think I think JT will get over five, and I think Zach definitely could get could get over five. That's one of those things, right? I mean, it, it was funny that year. Was it twenty twenty? Where Tommy Togi had Tommy Togi had three sacks in one game, and then was like second Penn on the State. team with yeah. three. Yes, you know, like it, <laughs> yes, Zach Harrison could have a three sack game, but if, if Zach Harrison has a three sack game, I don't think he's going to end with three. If Zach Harrison has a three sack game, he might get to eight. You know, so it's it's one huge game for somebody uh, could really shift this. Like if we have a sack tracker, and it's like holy moly, JT tore the arms off everybody on the Toledo offensive line in the first half and had three sacks. It's like, well, all of a sudden I think JT's the leader. So I think it's that, that second one that they need. They need like, it's getting, but I think getting the first one, having the first guy break through and have a big season, I think helps the next guy have a pretty good season too. Like I think they've needed that, that breakthrough to force deep force offenses to make some adjustments that then leads to a bit more production for the other guy. Yeah, if you're not going to have a 10-sack guy, then you need to have a bunch of guys with at least five. I also it almost think I, like offsets that. I think I would pick JT to lead them in tackles for loss. I think that's I a agree. good bet. Yeah, that's a really good bet. The tackles leader and how many? Now, this is a little bit interesting because last year, Ohio State was led by safety, Ronnie Hickman. At Oklahoma State, the last three years – it was Malcolm Rodriguez leading Jim Knowles's defense in tackles. He is a converted safety, started as a safety, became a linebacker, uh, an inside linebacker, and and played some Mike, played some Will. I think it was more of a Will linebacker in that system. The number two guy the last couple of years also, um, whose name I can't remember because it's much harder to pronounce than like Neatote and Mahalski put together, but also a linebacker. So it's been a, a, a defense, a Jim Knowles defense has been as much as it's safety driven defense, a lot of tackles there for the linebackers. Um, but, uh, or so I'm picking steel chambers to lead Ohio state in tackles in 2022. I'm taking it as a, some confidence in the defense returning to the realm. It's supposed to be in. I feel like when Ohio state's been solid on defense, the Will linebacker is the guy that tends to lead them in tackles. And it, it, isn't, it isn't a safety that's leading this team in tackles. I looked at 2014, where it was Joshua Perry leading this team with a lot of tackles. I looked at 2019, where it was Malik Harrison, much lower number, kind of unique circumstances that year, where, again, starters weren't having to play a lot of games on an awesome team with a bad schedule. But uh, I came up with that number. I, I just averaged some things together. 112 over 15 games seemed like a – a decent number for who's going to lead this team. 112? 112. Wow. That's a lot of tackles. Ronnie Hickman led him with 100 last year, and they often don't have a guy who gets anywhere close to 100. That's a lot of tackles. The thing I think I don't – do you think Steel Chambers is going to take all the Will linebacker snaps all year? And that's why I didn't go for him, but go ahead. Like, by, I don't, but, but, but Ronnie Hickman last year, I think it was 6.75 per – no, that's not right. It was even more than that per game. Anyway, go ahead. I I don't disagree with your idea about like linebackers. I just am not supremely confident that the two guys who are going to start in week one are going to be the starters the whole year or 
like the starters all the time, all year. Whereas I don't think Ronnie Hickman is going to come off the field all that much. Mm-hmm. So that's why I went with Ronnie Hickman. I think the positional argument is a fine argument. I just think the personnel, um, I have Ronnie Hickman with 80 compared to a hundred last year, which is that's spreading it out among more linebackers. And, and hopefully for their sake, their safeties aren't making as many tackles because you'd really kind of don't want, I think Jordan Fuller let him in tackles yeah. in 18, but he yeah. didn't lead him in tackles in 19 because your safety shouldn't be making so many right. tackles. See, so, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to bring that up because I remember I was still freshly new to the beat and kind of impressed that Jordan Fuller led his team team in tackles in 2018. We're like, yeah, that's because like the, the front seven weren't doing their job. And so he was having the same day all the time. I was like, oh, okay. So that's not a good thing. I am of the positions that can rack up tackles. Ronnie Hickman is the only one I'm comfortable saying he might not come off the field. And I think that's part of the reason Lathan there's trying out other stuff with Lathan Ransom is because one Lathan Ransom has proven he can do some of that stuff, but then also he's the backup adjuster and Jim Knowles loves Ronnie Hickman more than anybody else in Columbus right now with the way from the way he's talked about him since he got here, basically. So because of that, if everybody else is either at bare minimum rotating or might just be losing their job to younger, more talented guys as the season progresses. While Ronnie Hickman is just out there playing his 60 plus snaps a game, he's just going to be racking up tackles and be around the ball just like he was last year. So, how many are you saying, Steven? 85. I went 15 less because I gave more to maybe the defensive line is better. So, as the sacks go up, the amount of tackles go down. And by the way, what Ronnie Hickman did last year, um, 99 in 13 games would be 114 over 15 games doesn't dispute what you guys are saying, but just it's it's it, within the realm of possibility because that's what he would have done last year if they played 15 games. Hmm. No, this, this, you know what I mean? Assuming he stays yeah. on that same path. I mean, I, my thought with Chambers, though, was twofold. Again, one is just sort of where I think the defense could be going, the way that it has worked in the past under Knowles. But then also, I think I'm probably less skeptical than you guys are of Chambers keeping that spot. You know, they they they're talking about the the physical attributes that Trey Anum has, but it wasn't like Chambers was ready to play and start at Will Linebacker to start last year, and now he's got a year head start on taking that position. And C.J. Hicks, we all believe in what's coming with C.J. Hicks, but we're coming up on being like halfway through camp. He still has his black stripe. Like, I don't know that I see him as a starter by the end of this year. So I think it's possible that Steel Chambers just does keep that job. I think he might keep the job. I just think they might work some other guys in more than they'll work guys in in place of Ronnie Hickman. I, I would think it's possible that Ronnie Hickman winds up with, I don't know, 150 more snaps than Steel Chambers and maybe maybe a lot more than that. So then you're just you're just playing the math a little bit. That, that's fair. It's a, it's, it makes a lot of sense. Staying on defense, Ohio State's interceptions leader, going over under three and a half. I came up with that number because Ohio State has not had a player with more than three interceptions. I believe this is correct, right? Since Damon Webb in 2017? Yes, and only eight guys since Urban Meyer showed up have had more than three. And of the there's six of them. There are three of them who are on the same team in 2016 and another three who were on the same team in 2014. Like the interceptions are, sacks are hard. Interceptions are just, you can't even predict them. It, it's hard to predict individually, yeah. 
Um, but I also looked like uh, Jim Knowles' Oklahoma State defenses didn't rack up a bunch of interceptions. Mm-hmm. Could be style of play. Could be the you know however those games went. So I'm taking the under that they still won't have a, a big interceptions guy this year. Yeah, I went under. Yeah, I, I went under. I, I, this is one of those. It's mostly luck. I mean, I remember when Denzel Ward got picked by the Browns, and there was like a lot of discussion about like, oh, Denzel Ward didn't have any interceptions in college, and he had, he had a pick in his first game in the NFL. And it's like, well, it doesn't mean anything. It's not like it's not like he's getting smoked. His coverage is too good. That's so I have Josh Proctor with three, but I almost think this stat is meaningless and tells us nothing. Jeff Okuda had three picks in his entire career. Two of them came in one game. One of them he was laying on his back. Meanwhile, Sean Wade led this team in interceptions in two different seasons. And one of the seasons, he wasn't even a starting cornerback. And frankly, like a lot of the times, I mean, the, uh, anymore, the way you get picks is that somebody, a defensive lineman, bats a ball at the line of scrimmage and the ball yep. pops in the air and then a linebacker yep. catches it. You know, so what, yep. what is that? Is that an accomplishment by the linebacker? No, he would just stand in there. Right. I forgot to use the uh, text or questions again. So I'm going to do that before we get to our last question. The asked who will lead Ohio state in tackles in 2022. Who do you think won their vote? Hickman. Yeah. Hickman. Ronnie Hickman was second with 35% of the vote. The, the winner was 2% higher than that. Jerome Baker. Uh, um, Tommy, Eichenberg. Tommy Eichenberg. 37% of the vote, Ronnie Hickman, 35, Steel Chambers, 20, Josh Proctor, 7. I, I put an other on there. Nobody went off my list. The only other people who got any votes were Cody Simon and Tanner McAllister. I asked who will lead Ohio State in sacks in 2022. The winner here, 52% of the vote. Who do you think got it? JT. Jack. It was JT, 52%. Okay. Jack Sawyer, 33%. Zach Harrison, 12%. Tyleek Williams, Two percent and one vote for. Oh, another vote for JT Tuimaloal. This person only voted for J Tuimaloal, not JT Tuimaloal. I guess that's where the, mm-hmm. the confusion sets in. So a little higher than fifty-two percent for JT Tuimaloal. So then my final question on defense, rounding all of these things together, is the Ohio State defense going over or under five point zero yards per play? So do you want to talk about this now, Doug, or do you want to save it? It's up to you. So we're, we're not two hours in. I think we could at least have an initial conversation if we think it's worth a deeper conversation later. Well, here's how I came up with the, the 5.0 yards per play. I always talk about like 10th in the country, 5th in the country, uh, Ryan Day and Jim Knowles having this like staring contest of who's going to like put the uh, expectations higher. I think like 25th in the country is more realistic. That's about exactly actually where the 2014 defense was. And I think there again, as we talked before, some similarities personnel wise between this year and what happened in 2014. That year, Ohio State was 4.98 yards per play allowed, ranked 25th in the country. And every year, it's right around 5.0 to finish 25th. 5.11 last year, 5.12 in 2020, 5.01 in 2019. 4.94 4.94 in 2018. It doesn't get any lower than 4.90 going back to 2014 to finish 25th in the country. So it's it, it seems almost kind of like an important threshold, too, that if Ohio State is not at least in that realm, then it might be having trouble again. It might be having the kind of season where the defense holds it back in enough situations or games or however you want to say it, that it ultimately keeps them from the kind of season they want to have. 
So I actually said, I actually take the over. It'll be over 5.0 yards per play, but I think it'll be close. I think it might be like one of these numbers we were talking about, 5.1. You think they give up more than five yards per play? Really? Okay. Barely. Five, five, like 5.1 last year, which still would have been 25th in the country. Yeah, so I did like the same math you did. I did how many teams were under five each year. So last year it was 17, the year before 16, 23, 27, 22, 19, 27, 25, 20, 27, right? The number of teams that, that mm-hmm. reached that threshold. I will say like this is the number to me. And there's a lot of other things, but if you want a shorthand, I think if they aren't under, and I know we've I've said tw- top 25 is fine, whatever. If they aren't under five-point yards per play, I think they're in trouble. Like, yeah. I think that's the, I, I think that is not what they're looking for. I, I don't want to say failure, but I think that would be a disappointment for a $2 million a year defensive coordinator, a disappointment for eight defensive linemen that you really believe in, a disappointment for, you know, a back seven that has come a long way, I think, from a year ago. I, I, I think I'm going under. I think they will be under. Because if they're not, I don't know if they can win the national championship. Well, then you, but, but there's not a huge difference between like 4.9 and 5.1 either. No, I know, but you said a number. So, I mean, like, I, I, I agree. But, it, but you're saying if they allow 4.9, they can win a national championship. And if they allow 5.1, they can't. Like, that's, you should, that's you know, where I you think should, it gets. You shouldn't tricky. put the number out there. But, but, but it's one of those where. Okay, so like 2018, they're horrible defense, 5.77. If they're right. that, they're in real trouble. Right. 2020, they made the national championship game, but their defense was not good enough. 5.85. Right. Last year, not good enough. The guy got fired, 5.33. So right. I, I guess I know what you're saying, but then also like, yeah, let's not have a stats conversation and be like, well, you know, I mean, in the range, it's like, well, then what are we doing? So well, No, but, I, but I, all I was quibbling with was the the – the making that differential, whether or not they can win a national championship or not. But, but I don't think like, but even under five is not great. Like it's not a great defense no, to be no. barely under five. I think the point you made 4.98 in 2014, 25th in the country. I think that is a great threshold. So in 2019, the awesome defense 4.13 first in the country, barely over four. And we're asking whether they can keep it, make sure it's not over five. Like that's the thing that, that if, if they are talking top five, top 10, they're going to give up like 4.5 yards per play. So I just think you're, you're creeping towards five. You are not meeting the standard that you have set for yourself, both with the higher you made and the, what you think the reality is of what you have to do to win it all. LSU's 2019 defense allowed 5.11 yards per game. Alabama's 2020 defense allowed 5.04 yards per game per, per play. It's 5.0 is not a number that prevents an offense this good from winning a national championship. 5.33, 5.7, 5.8. What like about, that's what if it's 5.35? Like you just said 5.33, but what if it's 5.35? Yeah, that's, that's more. So it would be even more likely. I know. It's just we're setting the numbers. So I know what you're saying. But I think five, I think that's I think that will tell you something. I think, I think that will tell you something. So it, and the other thing is too, offenses are getting better. Again, in, yes. in 2018, there yes, were that 20, is the other factor. There were there were 27 defenses that were under five yards. Last year it was only 17, so the threshold is changing a little bit, also, right? So I, I understand that as well. So 
am I going to write a column that says if Ohio State gives up 5.08 yards per game, their national title chances have gone up in flames? No. But I think this nice round number is not a, not a bad barometer at all to set as a level of success. Steven, you were also taking under here. Yeah, I'm taking under because what you do all this for, if you're still over, I understand what you're saying, Nathan. And for the sake of it, yeah, if they're at 5.1, they're in a pretty good spot. But since we did put the number at five over and under, and most of the time being under typically means top 15 defense, and they're throwing around top 10, top five defense, then they better be under five. And it's one of those things. Like he, they didn't have to say that. Quality of opponent matters, right? Yeah. So Wisconsin might put up some yards on them. Notre Dame might. You know, who knows? Maybe maybe Penn State or I will. Maybe Michigan will, will come in and do that. And then when you get, you know, now you're in the playoff. And it's like, oh, we're trying to stay under 5.0 yards per game, but here comes Caleb Williams. We're yeah. trying to stay under 5.0 yards per game, but <laughs> here yeah, comes exactly. Bryce Young. So like, okay, and, well, maybe you won't. Well, and that's the other thing too. Like we are again factoring this over a full season. Like that, whatever that number you said was for 2020 was better before they played Clemson and Alabama in the playoff, and it got much worse there. Even though they blew the doors off Clemson, they still gave up a lot of yards in that game. So it's it. You're right. It's a it's a of the shorthands that are available to us. It's a better shorthand. The better the more accurate one would have been like where will Ohio State finish in defensive FEI in 2022? Yeah. But like nobody's trying to guess that. So. Uh, I thought we did. I thought that would be a fun one to throw out there. And uh, we had a little argument. So everything's great. Should I recap all of those or just hope people uh, wrote it down as they went along? Maybe people want to write them down. Maybe people want to write them down to have a shorthand of like, hey, I'll write this down. And then at the end of the year, I'll look and say, boy, was Doug wrong about that? I think that's enjoyable for people. So maybe worth a recap. C.J. Stroud passing yards. I said 4,915. Doug said 5,643. Steven said 5,365. Those latter two numbers would be among the top 10 passing seasons in college football history. Jackson Smith and Jigba receiving yards. Doug said 2,031. I said 1,870. Steven said 1,864. Also, pretty productive, great season. Trevin Henderson rushing yards. Doug said 1,500. I said 1,489. Steven said 1,400 even. Staying on offense, Marvin Harrison Jr. touchdown. Steven predicts him to break Terry Glenn's team record of 17 with 18. Doug said 13. I said 11. We all took Mayan Williams to have more offensive production than Evan Pryor. We all took Emeka Egbuka to have more offensive production than Julian Fleming. Cade Stover receptions. Doug and Steven, who f- had that famous skirmish last year over tight end receptions, which Doug won. It, it's like, I will say, in the end, it's like a, this is like a peace accord that in the end, we did come back around that we are both at 22. Yeah. Yeah. After last year, we're both like, no, it's 22. We're like, yep, I agree. Yeah. You're right. I'm right. Where it's like, it's one of those things where what's the thing? It's like the handshake hands, like, right. The two hands. Yeah. The shaking hands. Yeah. Like, this is that. This is that 22. Come on, Cade. If, if he finishes the season with 22 receptions, exactly. 
and like they're walking off the field after they lose to Alabama in the national championship game. Steven and I will grab Cade and we'll be like, <laughs> take a photo. Yeah. We'll hold up like 22s. We'll be like, Cade, put up a two. And Cade will be like, but we just lost the national championship game in the last 40 seconds. We'll be like, 22, baby, nailed it. I'm not saying that's what I'm going to predict, but like that would be obnoxious for us to do that. Good luck to Ohio State. That was 22 each for Doug and Steven, and I predicted a much more cynical number of 12. Emeka Egbuka touchdown returns. Steven and I both picked him to take one back this year. Doug said no touchdown, no interest, no vote if he'd had his way with it. On defense, um, Doug and I both took Harris, uh, Zach Harrison and JT Tuamaloau to be the top two defensive ends in snaps. Steven took JT and Jack Sawyer. Doug and I also both took Teron Vincent and Mike Hall to lead in defensive tackle snaps. Steven took the younger guys. Well, actually, Mike Hall's pretty young, but he, he took the, the young pairing of, of Ty Hamilton and Tyleek Williams. Sack leaders. We all picked Jack Sawyer. It's just a matter of how many he gets. Steven said eight. I said seven and a half. Doug said seven. Tackles leaders. I was the one that was way off the board here. I said Steel Chambers with 112. Doug and Steven took Ronnie Hickman. Steven had 85. Doug with 80. Uh, whether OSU's interceptions leader will have over or under three and a half, we all took the under, which would be keeping with recent history. And whether OSU's defense allows 5.0 yards per play over or under that, I took over, but it's close. Doug and Steven both took under. You guys get that? If you didn't get it, uh, text Nathan or tweet at Nathan at NW Baird and he'll, he'll give it to you again. Yeah, I will just all just call me at home on my home phone, my published home phone number. Go look for it. It's out there, I'm sure. And uh, I'll just read it to you. So that wraps up this Market Town Monday. We are back with Ohio State interviews. Monday, we get Kevin Wilson and the tight ends. Tuesday, we have the defensive line. Thursday, we have the quarterbacks. So we're getting a lot of important players. Not so much maybe Monday, but Tuesday and Thursday, we're getting some really important players on how good this Ohio State team is going to be in 2020. We get to ask Kevin Wilson if he's over or under 22 catches for Cade Sturber this year. I've I've already got like a Joe Joe Royer story on the budget for the next day. So like it's (laughs) we're not brushing off the tight ends. They are important, but not maybe as important as JT to him, Jack Sawyer and CJ Stroud. Well, we're going to talk to all those guys next week. Steven and I will be there to talk about it. I don't know if, Doug, you'll be there necessarily every day next week, but we will still be coming to you Actually, with our reactions from camp. This week. It's this week as you're listening to this because you're listening to this on Monday. This week, yes, yeah. uh, as you're listening to this on Monday. For Doug Maurice and for Steven Means, I'm Nathan Baird, and that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>